This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. First of all, right off the top of the show, before the theme song, the, uh, Grammy-nominated theme song, by the way. <laughs> Fades out. Shout out to Red Foo. <laughs> Shout out. Um, I had to apologize to the listener because it took me about a week to mentally prepare myself for tonight's <laughs> conversation. Uh, but I feel like I'm in a good place now. I feel like I'm in a place where I can come and talk somewhat rationally about the uh, movie yeah. of the week tonight, and that's a big step for me. So, You've completed uh, seven model Megazords now, so you feel I have assembled complete. multiple models oh, and painted. Crap. I just realized I saw the wrong movie. I went to see Big Bad Beetleborgs. <laughs> the, the VR Troopers yeah, movie is actually pretty awesome. So don't make fun of uh, VR Troopers, because uh, I was on Team VR Troopers when most of my peers were into Power Rangers, but yeah. That's okay. And by the way, I was wondering why I was the, an outcast. Yeah, and which was more prophetic? Like now everything's VR with Samsung and all that stuff, exactly. and Facebook and Oculus Rift and all that stuff, and nothing. We just still don't have Megazords yet, so I think history will be kind to the VR Troopers. Maybe you don't, but the why, rest of us. Why hasn't that been like tried to be rebooted yet on TV? VR Troopers. I th- I feel like the kids of today are just naive enough to really be into <laughs> VR Troopers like we were. And the only reason we were is because it came on either bef- right before or right after Power Rangers. So you're already there. It's kind of like Power Rangers, and uh, that was kind of their capitalizing. They're capitalizing. They were capitalizing on confused parents and kids everywhere that thought they were watching Power <laughs> Rangers, saw it on the yeah. TV guide, and like just keep it on this channel. It'll come on eventually. Yeah. And- your your grandparents definitely bought you some VR Troopers gear, <laughs> thinking that it was Power Rangers. Exactly, no, no question. Like when you uh, Christmas time in like third grade, uh, yeah, you wanted Pokemon cards, but they got you Digimon cards instead. It's like, aren't you happy? Isn't this the best Christmas ever? It's like, yes, my Grandma, this is a great Christmas. You definitely haven't ruined my Christmas at all by these Digimon playset that I got. It's like when I wanted uh, my Tamagotchi and I got a Digipet. Yeah. That was it's not the same. Not it's the not same thanks, at all. Mom. Brand loyalty. Hey, let's hit it to the music. You know, you know that they are. You know how they're making an emojis movie, and they've made. We, well, we're well aware. Yeah. Yes, and they've made a, a Lego movie and and all that. How how they not made Tamagotchi the movie? Because <laughs> it's just obscure enough yeah. to make into a then, six picture franchise, right? Right, and then Furby's right behind it. <laughs> or they could. They're going to cast over, a yeah. white. A white actress as the Tamagotchi keeper, though, and, and piss everyone off. It'll be like her yeah. name will still be Tamagotchi, though, but it'll be Blake Lively. It will be. It'll be like Matt Damon in uh, The Great Wall and Charlie's and Ghost in the Shell. Blake Lively is Tamagotchi. How have they not made a Pokemon live action movie at this point? Let's talk about that for seven seconds because that no, they haven't caught make, them all. So that's true. That would take 
That would make $900 billion if they did that, <laughs> I feel like, right? Somebody should just have made a documentary last year when Pokemon Go was a thing and just turn that footage into a movie of some That sort. was a thing for about a week and Gosh. a half. I remember that. Everyone never was been angrier. It. I've never felt older and been angrier at society than I was for that two months. You know, when we were all like, uh, wow, all these people are actually out and enjoying nature and doing things. Maybe this is good. And then it only took a week for people to decide, I really <laughs> would rather stay inside and sit down. So I'm not going to do this anymore. <laughs> that did not last at all. But, uh, but here we are uh, talking some 90s stuff tonight, I guess, and throwing it back to Power Rangers. You got your and, Doc Martens uh, and your Jinkos on? We're not we're not throwing back to the original Power Rangers. There's actually a reboot that we uh, will be discussing. But uh, I, I sp- vividly remember seeing the original movie, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, in the theaters and being very excited for it in my uh, first or second grade year or something like that. Um, but I'm sure there are kids that feel the same. Maybe some parents out there listening to the show right now that took their kids to it. Uh, parents that maybe grew up on it and maybe passed the torch down that way. I don't know if kids even like Power Rangers anymore, but that'll be a part of the discussion this evening. And we have a guest joining us a little bit later to dive into Power Rangers and all that uh, it provides. So I'm sure that conversation will be good. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, we have a bit of house cleaning. And tonight on the house cleaning docket, we have an announcement that involves the winner of the first annual Mad About Movies, March Madness Madness. And so, Brian, drum roll, please. Well, first of all, set this up. Don't give away the winner right now, but set, <laughs> set up the, the past few rounds since the last yeah. time we talked about it. So we started a couple weeks ago. I think if we do this again next spring, uh, we'll maybe make it a little bit of a shorter go of some sort. It worked really well. I think we learned a couple things, so we'll, we'll figure out an even better way to do it next year with, with whatever subject we decide to do. But so for a few weeks, we've been letting you vote on our website, madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Uh, we set up a bracket. There's a great episode that we did two or three weeks ago. There was a lot of fun to put together where we kind of went through all the basketball movies that have ever existed and seeded them one through 32. And then we had a bracket and let you guys vote to pick the winners in several rounds and whatnot. We got down to the final four this last weekend, just like the real NCAA tournament, which is for basketball, just in case you didn't know. And uh, yeah, yes, last night, late last night, we, we crowned we crowned a champion. So our final four, Kent and Richard, our final four were Hoosiers, the number one overall seed. Cool. White men can't jump. Coach the, Carter, the the reboot or the the old one, the, <laughs> the old jump. one. I'm okay. assuming the new one, the the reboot will just jump straight to the top of this yes. list immediately as soon as it comes Starring out. Starring Will Forte uh, and Kevin, Kevin Hart. Hart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hundred percent going to be Kevin Hart. Can't There's wait. no chance it's anyone else. Uh, so Hoosiers, White Man Can't Jump, Coach Carter, and Space Jam. Space Jam upset Hoosiers in its final four Ooh. matchup. Went on to the final game matchup, whatever you want to call it, against White Man Can't Jump that beat Coach Carter pretty handily. <sighs> Are you guys ready? Have you all looked at the result? I'm you know not. Who, I, I'm who coming in blind okay. on this. I couldn't right. figure out the bracket fight thing. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> it's good, yeah. It's a big uh, promotion for our show. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, they, it wasn't the best. Anyway, <laughs> it, 
in a in a stunning upset that I believe we all oh, called no. uh, three weeks ago, yeah. Space Jam has been crowned the God, best basketball movie no. of all time. Yeah. Question, it was though, a, it was a pretty decent. It was close. It was a close game, uh, but Space Jam they have Michael Jordan. You know, he's the most clutch he's athlete the of the the decade. So he he pulled away. So question I, for you, Brian, because yeah. I didn't look at the thing. Yes, yes. Um, last time I made a promise. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Regarding the perfect shot was against what Airbud or something? <laughs> it was against uh, Semi Pro. It was Semi Pro. Semi Pro. Yeah. Who won? Semi Pro man. Semi Pro. I get to pick yeah. the movie yeah. of my choice <laughs> that I have to remember. Semi Pro went on a, a major Cinderella run. It knocked God. out Love and Basketball in the first round, which was a two seed. It then took out Dirk, a three seed, hmm. in the next round, and it was. It was ahead of white men can't jump for mm. for a good long while. I may have slanted the voting by <laughs> voting every five minutes just to make sure that that didn't happen. I could not it stand was, for this. This is longer. like when Rick Pitino's a ten seed and he goes on a lot of This is the this is the proof that it wasn't a sham because the fan, the yeah. listener, would have voted for Nowitzki because that would mean they get to choose the movie. The fact that mm-hmm. semi pro one means I get to choose it. So. I guess they just thought it was yeah. a better movie. So, well, wow. I stand by hating all of our listeners. So, <laughs> my is... long-standing hate has been proven true. <laughs> Continues. Yep, I continue to be right. So, thanks a lot, guys. Gosh, this is going to be tough. I have a, any movie I want that Richard has to do a solo episode on <laughs> solo review. Oh, the possibilities are literally endless. I cannot wait to come up with what I'm going to come up with. I'm I'm accepting suggestions now at Kent Garrison on Twitter. <laughs> Just at me, shoot me a Snapchat yeah. or something. If you've got a mm-hmm. movie you think Richard should review on his own, how about we just have him watch Now You See Me again solo and just talk <laughs> about that? That'll be good. No, um, regarding the other stuff, you know what? I'm willing to bet that over 95% of the people that voted for Space Jam haven't seen Space Jam since it originally came out. <laughs> There's no way. There's no I way. Think, it does I think not more than hold anything up else, at all. In, in this any, bracket... Bracket so, proved we're pretty popular with the millennial crowd because there's no one over our age that that voted for Space Jam. There's no chance, and we did get we get a lot of tweets from from angry get off my lawn listeners who were like, "If Space Jam wins, you should just burn this whole thing down." I'm like, I kind of agree with you, but yeah, but uh, yeah, you know, it is what it is. I've watched Space Jam a bunch over the last couple months because my kid has gotten into it recently. And, uh, you know, it's not a good movie. I, but I can definitely watch it over some of the others that were winning along the way. Like, Air Bud is terrible. I, I would put down Air Bud if I could. But uh, Space Jam, you know, I can, I can handle it. I'm not, I'm not horribly angry, Kent, that, that Space Jam came away with the win, in spite of the fact that, I, you know, it's, it's clearly not that good of a movie. Have we discussed the Space Jam reboot with LeBron James that really is happening? I think they're shooting it this summer. Um <laughs> Gosh, why is that happening? Why? Money. I know why it's happening. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it just won our, our uh, bracket challenge, our March Madness Madness bracket. So That's true. clearly there's a market for it. That is true. Wow. Well, that was fun. Um, I'm, I love this voting thing, this bracket thing. I think we should carry this yeah. over. Maybe other genres, maybe do superhero do movies, do horror movies in the fall. I really like the interaction and the, the discussion yeah. we got off the air with the, the listener. And totally. The emails totally. and things like that. So. Thank you to the people who voted, and congratulations, Space Jam, on your victory. <laughs> and that was very and, Gordon and Keith since, of you, and, right there. yeah. And since you won, 
you will forever be enshrined in our th- opening theme song. So I'm going to get right <laughs> to work on that, putting Bill Murray's quote in our theme song and forever it shall live. Uh, that's literally all I'm going to do. Okay. So other housekeeping notes. We have some donators to shout out really quick, Brian, I believe, or something. Uh, we don't have any, right? We don't have any donators at this moment. No. So that only means one thing. Time to donate. Mad about yeah, podcast. Yeah, if you want to hear your name, donate. Yeah. And, uh, Shout out. Yeah. Uh, hop on, donate on the website. And uh, if you're interested in being on the show, you can uh, email us and we'll, we'll let you know what the level is for donation for that. And we'd love to have you join the show like our, our guest ads tonight. Yes. And uh, one more housekeeping note. Actually, two. Uh, we have our Back to the Future shirts are going fast. I think we only have a few more. In mm-hmm. certain sizes, maybe one in each size left. Seriously, um, those are maybe probably never going to get printed again. So if you like Back to the Future, you'd like the show, you want to rep the show at your local con or something like that and meet the Mam Fam all around the country, do that. Great way to support yourself, support the show. It's like donating to the show, except you kind of get a T-shirt in return. So it's kind of a win-win. And uh, we have some pins coming out soon. Yeah. Like yeah. pins that you would put on a backpack or a jacket. Or, uh, you know, a tuxedo if you're getting married. And uh, they're going to have Mad About Movies logo and uh, some other cool stuff on there. So stay tuned for those in the coming weeks. And those will be on the website at a very affordable price, I'm sure. Yeah. And we will DJ your wedding if you want. Like, there's a price. But we'll we'll come out and do a live show at your wedding. Richard will just shout foul things at you. But but Rick Kent and I will have a good time. So let's move on, guys. And let's hit a little bit of movie news Rumors Brian, and to be fair, I don't shout things. I just play Pony 600 <laughs> times in a row. But guess what? Everyone will think it's the best yeah, wedding. It works. It works. You play what? Pony by January. Oh, Pony. I thought you said Over. Tony. Like Tony, Tony, no. Tony. I was like, that would not set any party off. <laughs> I think nope. the Pony will, though. He just, it's actually just Tony Kornheiser. He just plays random cuts from the show that week. It's fun. Yeah. really gets who, the, the yeah, crowd who going. Who wants to hear Howard Fineman? Let's party, everybody. <laughs> Um, For movie news, rumors, rumblings, we have a bit more trailer talk to talk here in a second. But uh, under the rumor rumbling section, uh, a little bit of a shock this week as I was scrolling through the old Twitter. And (laughs) Variety posted an exclusive story that the DC Universe is getting a new director. It's not Zack Snyder. It's not Louis Lettier. It's not Uwe Boll. (laughs) It is, shockingly... In a strange turn of events, Joss Whedon. <gasps> wow. Joss Whedon will be helming the Batgirl standalone uh, movie. I guess standalone, I can't say that because she hasn't been in any movies yet. Um, so it's kind of a one-off, I guess. New character, new reboot of Batgirl. And uh, he's at the helm, I'm, I'm assuming writing, directing maybe. And uh, we'll see what he does. He did, of course, his work... With the Avengers uh, at Marvel, the Avengers and the Avengers Age of Ultron, and sort of been taking a break, taking it easy since then, maybe doing some producer gigs here and there. But this is his return to blockbusters, his return to superhero movies, and uh, it is a shocking turn of events. I honestly thought Joss Whedon would be would go over to Star Wars. You know, I thought he would stay in the Disney umbrella, move franchise, still do a big franchise, have the opportunity to kind of tell his own story of in star wars uh never thought he would flip to warner brothers dc 
and uh, and sign on for this. So shocked. I'm shocked personally, but I, I have faith. This is the most faith I've had in a DC announcement since DC. And uh, <laughs> since DC was in the inception of DC. And um, you know what? I think Batgirl's a really cool character. If they can get like Brie Larson or somebody to do it. Actually, she's Lisa Captain Marvel. If they can get... Yeah, Lisa Silverstone. If, if they could get... Uh, Trust me. I don't know. Um, Emily Blunt as Batgirl or maybe somebody younger. I don't know. I thought the actress that played Kimberly in Power Rangers was actually pretty good too. Um, but there are a lot of young actresses out there that, that'll, I'm sure Joss will have a good taste in, in picking them, but I'm actually excited about this property and the person at the helm. So that's a very rare thing for me in DC and I'm excited about it. What, what was your reaction, Brian, whenever you heard the news? I'm excited because I love Joss, and I, I'm with you. I think that character, there's something that can be done there that's a lot of fun. Um, I'm surprised on both sides of it. I I know that Joss had a not-so-great time with Disney and Marvel with Age of Ultron, and so I think for him to come over to DC and do this, he's definitely going to have complete and total control, at least on the writing and the, and the directing. He can put his vision to the screen. Now, you know... It remains to be seen what kind of influence um, the terrible decision makers of of DC and Warner Brothers will will have on this after it's all said and done. But I certainly have more faith in this than I would in any other property coming out of out of DC. You know, it doesn't change my view on on DC as a whole because, as I've said multiple times on this show, like the only way to do that is to make three good movies like give me some actual movies that i can sit through without uh groaning and rolling my eyes and and wanting to be anywhere else and then we can talk about whether or not you're you know you're making the right decisions this movie would come out in like 2019 at the earliest probably so we're gonna get three or four more movies between now and then and i i don't really anticipate any of them being particularly good so i i I guess you can look at this as maybe DC is turning the page and they're going in the right direction. But I also find it kind of ironic that we've spent the last, I don't know, five to eight years with DC, uh, with them just bowing up to Marvel for no reason and uh, trying kind of trying to start a rivalry that doesn't really exist because they, they can't put anything out that's that's competent. And... You know, to the point of like their own director coming on stage and saying "f Marvel" and getting a chant going and this sort of thing, and now was, in order, of, oh, that was I forgot. It's just that was amazing. At, that was Snyder at Batman versus Superman premiere. I remember that. No, it was Ayer too. Oh, I don't. Know, I can't Ayer. remember Snyder yeah, you're too. Right, yeah, you're right. Ayer it did it, and it's just like, dude, why? Why are you? Why are you doing this? This is not. Hel- this is Gosh. not helping anyone or oh, anything. And then this movie comes out and it's trash. Such a backfire. It's, a t- <laughs> it's an awful move. But now, so we spent I don't know six, seven years doing this bit where we just like we're so much better and cooler than Marvel and and all this. And now they have to turn to the guy that made the biggest Marvel movie to be able to get their franchise or their universe back on track. And that that to me is is a ironic and b is kind of lame in a way it's just like what you've just spent all this time telling me why you guys are so much better and now you got to go to to mr marvel to get this done it just it kind of reeks of of i you hope that it reeks of where we've made some bad decisions and we're now turning the page but but you kind of i i can't i personally i can't believe that that's happening until i actually see it 
come to fruition. So, um, but you know, it's Joss and I love Joss and I'm excited to see what he can do. I, you know, I would kind of like it for him to not do it because I don't want anybody involved with DC at this point, but maybe this is the, the, the turning of the page. RB, uh, you got any thoughts? Yeah. What about you, Richard? Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I don't know anything about bad girl, uh, aside from honestly, at least Silverstone, all jokes aside. (laughs) I mean, that's the only, uh, information I have. Um, but I do know Joss. I mean, Joss makes, makes, uh, good popcorn films and obviously with his sort of, uh, attention to feminism. Um, it'll be cool to, you know, the historically with Buffy and then just that kind of everything in his work, it will be cool to see him do a, you know, a female focused superhero, uh, because so far, you know, uh, we, we don't, we haven't had that yet as much, um, Black Widow, but not, not, not a feature. So, uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how this, I think you, you mentioned it briefly with Captain Marvel. How did these two things, um, compete against each other because i would imagine they'll, oh, they'll come out i never thought about this announcement as a rebuttal to captain marvel <laughs> right. but that makes it's, sense right so so it's interesting i mean look uh dc is is in a place where uh, well first off how how jacked is is he willing to get is joss willing to get because yeah. he's a little doughy last time i saw him so obviously he's gonna have to t- <laughs> right. tighten it up he's gonna have to tighten up yeah and um, i assume ronda rousey will be playing batgirl oh that's awesome, dude so. that's pretty sick or charlotte ken that was <laughs> charlotte, charlotte flair, flair. Yeah. yeah that one's for you Ken. um but uh yeah i don't uh i don't know i mean uh he's made joss has made weird stuff before that you know he's not like a perfect director he doesn't have he's not mm-hmm. batting but he yeah. bats about 90 percent. so i would think this would be good but uh you know the infrastructure leads me to believe that it could it could mess up but I have high hopes. As with all DC things, they're the only characters I know. Uh, this isn't one, but I, at least I know the name, so I, I assume it could be it could be cool. But we'll, we'll see. Yeah, Maybe it'll be a cool trailer. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm not I'm not closing the book on Joss with Star Wars at all. I still think he'll be involved. I mean, you look at his sensibilities, his track record on working with ensemble casts and working in science fiction and. Uh, his love for Star Wars, that's very apparent. I mean, watch Firefly and you'll see a lot of Star Wars influence there and a lot of the characters. I, I still think that will happen. Um, obviously not with the uh, three episodes that are currently in production or I wouldn't think he would be down to do a standalone just because um, I feel like they would give him uh, an episode if uh, at episode 10 when they start over the uh, the anthology series. So uh, I'm not closing the book on that, but uh, after Batgirl, I would assume he would get involved in Star Wars in, in some capacity, whether mm-hmm. it's uh, writing uh, and they bring somebody else in to direct or, or something like that. I just I just think it's too good of a match to not eventually happen. And, and you know he has a great relationship, again, with Disney and uh, and Bob Iger and, and the uh, the whole, you know, Kathleen Kennedy and the whole Disney uh, family. So, um, and... You know, the Avengers was hugely successful, and that was largely, largely because of Joss Whedon's work and and weaving those characters together. And and uh, my my whole deal is I can't think of why DC feels like they need to compete with Marvel. You know, um, mm-hmm. that's that. I'm reminded of Steve Jobs when he when when uh, Microsoft and Apple used to compete each, against each other in the '90s. Right? They were always trying to one up each other with products. You know. And until eventually, say, uh, 
Steve Jobs and Bill Gates met and and they figured out, you know, for Apple to win, Microsoft doesn't have to lose, right? And vice versa. For for Microsoft to win, Apple doesn't have to lose, right? There's a scenario in which both can win. Both have an audience, both can do it very well, both can be right. very successful, and both can be very happy very happy. And I think that's true with with DC Marvel. They can both do what they do, find their tone, find their niche, find the stories, uh, find the motivation in the characters and do that well. And that's all we're really asking for. I, I hate this cat yeah. and mouse game of, oh, you're going to do that? We're going to do this. Oh, you're going to do Avengers? We're going to do Justice League. Oh, you're doing a Batman standalone? Oh, we're going to do a Spider-Man reboot, you know, and all this stuff. Uh, I just hate it. And I wish they would mm-hmm. just stick to what they know and do that. And that would be it. You know, I, I hate this playing, <laughs> yeah. playing uh, tag game that they've got going. Right. It's so immature. It's like well, kids making you, movies. Yeah, you know, I was talking with with our, one of our listeners, Chris Buck, on Twitter, and and I said, look, it's it would be a great thing, honestly, if there was a competition. Like, it it would be good for Marvel to have competition from DC to actually feel not necessarily the pressure, but like just to up your game. I mean, we see that all the time in sports where it's not fun as a viewer or. Uh, or as a competitor when when one team just dominates for forever and ever and ever and then eventually that team stops it, it loses its a game because there's no there's nobody to, to play against anymore and that's kind of where we're at with with Marvel DC that's how it's been the last few years it would be great for DC to get their act together and for that to actually be even not necessarily a rivalry but a competition but you have to do it in the right way and that's been Part of the problem this whole time is that DC has just been gung-ho on creating a rivalry and just bowing up for no reason when you're not doing anything, you're not putting anything on screen that's that's actually competitive, that's actually pushing Marvel in any sort of creative way. Like, I mean, we saw that with Batman v Superman and, and uh, Captain America when Batman v Superman moved into to Marvel's slot and Marvel's like, okay, well, that's fine. And then eventually... They had to back out because it's just, it's not, it hasn't been a real rivalry. So I would love for it to be in some ways, but it's, it's not. So maybe this is, I don't know, maybe this is the right step. Maybe this is the first step in that direction to becoming competent as a studio, but we can only hope it's, yeah, would love that to happen. It's a step in the right direction as far as talent acquisition goes, Mm -hmm. because I mean, Joss is, is a good filmmaker, but I really don't think he sacrifices a lot for the to please the studio you know i think they kind of know i mean it's apparent that they've given Zack snyder complete and utter total creative control over that series in the justice Mm -hmm. league and and batman and superman i i just hope that they give joss creative control here and uh you know see what it is but another movie coming down the pipeline this fall uh, the trailer hit the intrawebs this past week, and it set a crazy firestorm of comments and, and love. And I think this is going to be a huge movie based on the buzz. Uh, the reboot of Stephen King's It has uh, hit the intrawebs, the trailer has. <laughs> and uh, wow, one of the most terrifying trailers I've seen. <laughs> you okay, Extremely- Brian? I, I don't want to talk anymore. Yeah. It's just going to go. Yeah. I'm going to turn some more lights on. Hold extremely on. creepy, extremely <laughs> well shot. It seems to be very nostalgic feeling. And, uh, you know, it has a Stranger Things vibe and also kind of a slasher paranormal 
you know, old school, like Freddy Krueger, Halloween, Jason vibe to it. And uh, looks to be exactly the horror movies we want in 2017. And clowns, too. Everyone <laughs> hates clowns. And Bill Skarsgård is the clown. And just a young clown is creepy. Like, just the thought of a, <laughs> of a 26-year-old yeah. clown is, is creepy in and of itself or whatever. I'm so mad but, I'm older than it. I can't get my brain around this. <laughs> that is so weird, right? Um, but, I mean, it, the original movie, is, is creepy and... It's extremely long. It's like three hours long for no reason, yeah. really. Yeah, it was, was like it a was it, night, it was a mini series. Yeah, I was gonna say it was like a made-for-TV yeah. movie, but yeah, still yeah. way too long. And think, think about that. Like it was on like ABC, right? Wasn't it? It was on, like, USA. Actually. USA. Okay, yeah. that That's was so a weird. thing back then because like the Stand did one of those as well. That was a huge deal. Was the pre-event series the the TV mini series where you break it up over several nights and people watched it in droves? You know. Because people watch TV back then. Yeah, they don't do that anymore, that's for sure. <laughs> I don't. I'm against right. all... Anything that comes out of a uh, projecting device, I don't watch. Right. So I only right. watch my movies for this on an iPhone. So it's actually <laughs> the way God convenient, intended. but it's the way God right. intended. Uh, so, Brian, you survived, but what did you oh, honestly gosh. think of the trailer? Did you think it looked good, and will you see it, and all that? Oh, man, I think it looks great. I think it looks like... Uh, the scariest horror movie of all time, honestly. And it's shot incredibly well. You can tell, there's no chance I can pronounce the director's name, but you can tell he actually, he really knows what he's doing with the camera and that they have found, they have found the perfect tone for this property and this movie. No movie has ever freaked me out more than the TV miniseries It. That is, you know, that came out in 1990, I believe. Yeah. And so I was seven. I probably didn't see any of it until I was eight or nine. And I like I feel that that's like a, a clear line of demarcation in my life. Like everything changed that day because it's the most horrifying movie. And and you know what? That it's not good either. Like it's not a really it's it is a TV movie. And so it's not particularly well made. It's just creepy because the source material is incredibly creepy and it involves a bunch of kids getting eaten by a clown, which is horrifying in and of itself because clowns are terribly freaky. And uh, dude, this trailer, I had to like, I I had a little trouble sleeping the next, that that night because it was like, dude, this is all of my fears coming together. Uh, So can I see this movie? I, there's, there is a 0% chance that I could sit through this movie in a movie theater. If I watched it at home with all the lights on and all of my screens to um, distract me whenever I need to be distracted, I could maybe pull it off. But gosh, this is, this is terrifying. <laughs> it's terrifying. Richard? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super pumped. I'll see this. I see maybe one horror movie a year in the theaters, and this will be it. That we don't do for the that I I mean no I see more but there's I hate to burst everyone's bubble here there are movies that I see just for the show that I wouldn't see otherwise so I see one horror movie on purpose normally there's about one a year that's interesting so we might have two this year if you count uh, if you count uh, split but mm. but I don't know if you do but this looks this looks spooky I think so too and um, like I said from the buzz alone I think this broke a lot of records on YouTube for horror movies. Yeah. And uh, this is going to be one that's going to probably dominate its, its opening weekend. And uh, I can't wait to, to talk about it on the show and see if it lives up to the hype because the hype is real right now, nine months out or whatever we are. <laughs> right. 
So excited for that, and uh, we'll just have to see. So speaking of excited, let's talk Power Rangers. Move on, take a break, uh, let the sponsor do their work, and uh, we'll return with a guest and uh, talking Power Rangers. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. So we are joined now by a guest, Kyle McNevin. Hey, Kyle, what's up? Not too much. How you guys doing? Good. Good. Good, uh, man. Excited to talk uh, about Power Rangers. And again, I've been delaying this for a week, but we're finally here. Uh, if you listen to the show, we're going to ask you just a few questions just to get, get to know you and your movie sensibilities. Uh, first question, right off the top, have you seen Now You See Me? <laughs> So, funny story, I actually saw Now You See Me 2 before I saw Now You See Me oh, 1. So I have a, oh, that's brave. So I was, uh, I just watched Now How You See you Me 2. Well, um, <laughs> I was going to watch Now You See Me 2 and ask my roommate if that was possible, if I'd be able to follow it. And he just laughed and said, yeah, sure, you'll figure it out kind of thing. How did and, I watched, <laughs> and I watched it, and um, it was pretty bad. And so I had no choice but to watch the first one and realized uh, I had wasted two more hours of my life. So wow, I have committed the full time into that franchise. You will never get that back at all. Um, I, I wonder how the twist ends when if you've, if you've 
seen the second one and then you see the first one like will it make any sense to anyone if you've seen the second no, one first absolutely not it's the <laughs> the mark ruffalo part of it yeah is horrible for the whole movie then at that point when you know he's a agent the whole right. time and then the first one oh come out. on spoilers oh, oh okay Jeez. if you're oh. listening to the podcast and you no. haven't watched it by now you kind of deserve it I well, yeah it's actually in our mission statement yeah. to ruin now you see me weekly for people <laughs> so save your time don't that. watch now you see me the public and did you get it's got to be tough, Kyle's Richard here. Uh, it's got to be tough coming down off two Woodies to just one, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's definitely a move. That's what but, she uh, said. Ayo. Oh, but right, yeah, that was silent. It was an experience. I guess is the best way to put it. <laughs> that it, it was an experience. You're correct in that. Well, that is good. Uh, glad you survived that, and glad you survived the Power Rangers screening. Um, well, let me just say right off the top, uh, you know that if I say that, this is going to be fun. Uh, let me just say, I'm not against this at all, this idea. I'm not against rebooting Power Rangers. I'm not against uh, Power Rangers in general. I think there's a place for them in kind of the zeitgeist of, you know, growing up. And it's a great transition from, uh, you know, early childhood cartoons to like uh, – you know, more PG, PG-13 level stuff. It kind of is in that medium. And uh, I think it's fine on TV. I think that's kind of its audience. I think it's been very popular for 20, 30 years on television. And uh, there was a movie that I mentioned earlier in the show that came out in the 90s that we all liked as kids, but no one really cared that much about it. I don't think they made a sequel or anything like that. And it kind of killed Power Rangers as a big blockbuster franchise. I think they they uh, went away with the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers at that point, and they came with the Turbo Rangers and the Space Rangers and whatever different series that they had. Uh, to me, this is very comparable to Ninja Turtles, right? In a very similar kind of way. It's, uh, it's a very similar franchise to Ninja Turtles, but I just... To me, Ninja Turtles has such definable characters that really you relate to as a kid. I don't ever remember relating to Jason as a kid. I don't remember relating to Billy or Zack as a kid. I don't I don't know their qualities. I know Billy was the nerdy one and uh that's that's about it, you know? They were just they they were colors to me. They weren't personalities. Uh, well, they're I, subtle with the racism too. <laughs> like Black Rangers black. Right, the yellow was the Asian. Yeah. That was that was in hindsight, awful, and it and it was like not, you don't need to be teaching kids that stuff. Like the subtle racism is not good at all for subliminal. Like how did it, no parents just be like, we're not watching this? Why? I'm not telling you. You'll find out later when you're an adult. You know, it was a simpler time. Yeah, it was a simpler we time. just let our kids do whatever back then. So it's fine. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm not against the Power Rangers at all. I think it's fine as a franchise. I'm not sure it is deserving of a, of a movie reboot, let alone a six-picture arc that they say that they've Gosh. already planned out for this. And, Can't wait. And I hate, I hate the... We're doing six movies before we've even made one. And before we even yeah. know if the first one's good, we've got six. You know, I, they made that mistake with Fantastic Four, and look what that happened. You know, they, they were saying they've got a trilogy planned out and all this stuff, and... And look what happened to that. It's uh, the director can't even, won't even work anymore, barely. So um, this was, as a movie, 
perfectly acceptable for what I was expecting, I guess. Uh, I will say it's probably not as bad as I was expecting it to be just because it, it really didn't go out on any limbs. It really didn't try to push any boundaries at all. It was a very by the books action movie, uh, you know, meant for 13 or sub 13 year old kids. So, uh, not a lot to expect there, but it was more watchable in my opinion than, you know, probably the last three transformers movie. It was, it was more watchable than Batman V Superman to me. It was more watchable than suicide squad. Um, it wasn't good. And it was, it was pretty boring. The script is, is not good. I, I think the actors were fine. I think they would have been better if they had a better script. And uh, the director was fine. I don't like the look of the new Power Rangers suits. I, I think they look terrible. I don't know why anyone would sign off on that and be like, yep, that's the design. You know, like the new, the new Ninja Turtles is the same way. It's not the characters I have a problem with, but the designs are, are, were awful. And it's not what anyone envisions them to be. They, it's like they said, all right, let's take the original Power Rangers from the 90s. We're going to dip them in glue, and then they're going to roll around in glitter for seven hours, and that's going to be the costume. You know, uh, there's nothing timeless about it. It already looks dated and tacky, you know, in a sense. And uh, the the Zords look like every other robot I've ever seen on in Hollywood on screen. There's nothing original about the production design in, in that sense. Um, but... I mean, this was perfectly kind of acceptable, mediocre, blah kind of a movie. And uh, I wasn't excited about it going in, wasn't excited about it coming out. But during the movie, I just, I didn't hate myself, but I didn't enjoy myself. I, I, I was actively had my eyes open and was watching the screen. Like, that was my experience watching this. Zero thrills, zero pizzazz. Uh, that's really all I can say from a general perspective. But, uh, Brian, where do you fall on this? You know, I'm a little bit older than you guys. And, Kyle, I don't, I don't know how old, how old you are, but I'm assuming you're a little bit younger than me. I have no nostalgia for the Power Rangers whatsoever. And I kind of suspected, and after having seen the movie, I, I feel like it's been proven true that you I, – I think you kind of have to have some of that to really be able to, to enjoy this movie. I'm with you on part of what you said, Ken. I, I'm with you in the, in the fact that I don't, I'm not opposed to this is this movie's existence. Um, I I wasn't, you know, I'm not excited about it. I would, I didn't want to go see this movie really, but once it got going, I was like, okay, this is it's not good, but it is. It does seem more. Uh, I don't know how to say that. It, it, it does seem more relevant than I thought that it was going to be, or at least it seems like okay, this is not a terrible idea. I didn't hate the script. I actually think the, you know, a movie like Batman v Superman, I think is fundamentally flawed from the first page of the first draft. Like it's not just that. Uh, Zack Snyder's visuals are are unappealing to me or that the acting is not particularly good or that it all hinges on terrible plot points. It's that there's a scene in this movie where a piss jar plays a significant role. You know, it's just it's like there are 30 spots in a movie like Batman v Superman that you can say that is a bad thing and that needs to be changed in order for this to be a good movie. I actually think you could take this script and 
get and clean up the dialogue. The dialogue is not particularly good, but I I also think a good chunk of that is delivery. So I I personally think if you take the the building blocks or the foundation of this script and got better actors to play the roles or at least actors who have better delivery uh and 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 a director I don't have a whole lot to say about uh about Dean Israelite. Is that his Israelite? Uh, okay. I don't have a whole lot to say about that. There, there were some, I thought he did a passable job as a director. I just think if you get me a cast that can actually emote and can deliver some of these lines and a director who is above passable, I think you could make this, um, like the lowest level of, a comic book type movie for me, the person who is not at all a power Rangers fan as it stands. Like I can't, I, I thought most of the act, I thought all the power Ranger actors were terrible and Kimberly, uh, the, the, she was the best one. I thought Naomi, Naomi Scott, Scott, but yeah. she, yeah, but she wasn't good. Like I don't, I see that the, the guy who plays Jason, uh, Dockery Montgomery, he's going to be in stranger things later this year. So that's okay, I guess. But I like, thought Kimberly I and Jason were Kimberly and Jason were were good to me. Everyone else completely replaceable. Like everyone in the movie, I, I thought they were all on that pretty much on the same level. Uh, R.J. Siley, the guy who plays Billy, I thought he did the best job out of any of them because he was also given the worst role to work with. Um, making that character some version of Asperger's is a really terrible choice like borderline offensive if you're not going to <laughs> if you're not going to portray it in a in a an accurate sort of way it right. just becomes a, a crutch instead of anyway I'm, I'm i'm rambling i apologize um i i think this is a <laughs> i think it's a bad movie there are moments that got it got me to where i i felt like okay this could have been better if this could have been decent if we could have done this this and this i could have enjoyed it if we could have had a cast that actually um, knew how to act, and I think the last, I don't know, right up until the point, there's about a 20-minute sequence before they actually get in the suits that I was trying to, I was doing everything I could to stay in my seat because it was just, it was cringy and painful for me to be in. So, look, I, I have no, I have no emotional attachment to these characters or this property whatsoever, and I, I just feel like that's maybe going to be, uh, a stumbling block for anybody who who doesn't have that sort of attachment. Like it just isn't going to appeal to uh, the non Power Ranger fan of of which I am a part of that group. So I've talked forever. I apologize. Yeah, let's uh, go to Richard Kyle. And no, go to Kyle. Morning. Go to Kyle. He's our guest. You go, man. Oh, okay. So um, I am like 24. So I did grow up with the Power Rangers, but I have okay. to say it doesn't help much with uh, yeah. what okay. was going on. Right. Um, and so it isn't just y'all. Um, going in, I had the lowest of low expectations. I had seen all the trailers and kind of knew what it was going to be going in, and it was better than what I thought it was going to be. But um, it, like you said, it's not a good movie. You're not going there thinking you're going to get Oscar-winning performances from anybody. But the main actors are passable, I would say. I agree on that. I think R.J. Seiler is the best actor. If anybody saw him in Mural and the Dying Girl, he's really good in that. But then you're not given much, I think, script-wise um, on there. And I think the movie had some moments, like we've all said here so far, that it thought it was going somewhere and you 
kind of thought, oh, this has some momentum, it's building on some good things, and then there would be three or four sequences in a row where the movie gets derailed a little bit and it gets a little unfocused, and you really didn't know what the purpose of the movie was going to be going in um, in terms of what you were going to see, what's going on, what I felt like while I was watching it. Mm-hmm. I agree, director-wise, Dean Israelite was fine. I think he's the, like the replacement-level director, I guess. I saw his other movie, Project Almanac, and it's kind of in the same thing. It's a teen movie about time travel, and it's another script is uneven um he does what he can but he's not he doesn't bring anything extra to it i don't think he elevated any of the performances but i don't think he held anything back was kind of how i would put it for him on there and it's fine um i enjoyed some parts of the movie but there were some parts of the movie that were cringeworthy so i it's kind of middle of the road movie for me where i'm never going to watch it again um if i can help it but i i didn't regret going i guess would be the best way to put it so that's kind of my general thoughts yeah richard yeah, so uh, that's great, Kyle. That's really good stuff. So, um, yeah, so I'm like right in the wheelhouse of Power Rangers age-wise. I'm between Brian and Kent, and then I'm I'm a hundred years older than Kyle, um, as we all are. But uh, but uh, so it's all my friends were in the Power Rangers going up. I you know we've covered this on the show. I was I just kind of missed that whole thing. Um, I was I was really into Peter Jennings during this time. Uh, well, Dan rather, uh, but mostly Peter <laughs> Jennings during this time. Um, so, yeah. Um, but uh, but I was aware of them and 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 all of that. This was uh, going into this, and I won't I won't go long because you guys are are smarter than I am and have said everything that I can really say. But I, I will say, going into this, I expected this to be um, one of the one or two worst movies, not only of the year uh, but of all years. Uh, it just looked really bad. Um, and then it wasn't, it wasn't, it's not even, I mean, it might sneak in the worst 10 of the year, but it's, if it is, it'll be low in that list. Yeah. So like I left the movie kind of being like, ah, power Rangers. And then like, it took a few hours back. No, that was terrible. It just wasn't the worst movie ever. Um, mm-hmm. so that was kind of brilliant marketing. Um, we should talk, we didn't talk much about the, you know, the thing that, uh, uh, saves this and it's not that they're even good or well-written for. But, uh, you know, Cranston, Hayter, and Elizabeth Banks are three of my, like, favorite people on the planet. So they, they really marketed to me uh, with the supporting cast, which I appreciate. Um, but it was just kind of – those were uh, just – they should have just put their salary next to their name on the credit. Uh, yeah. I think would have been yeah. a uh, – you know, keep getting them checks, guys. That's no shame in that. But, yeah, this is a perf- – you know, honest to God, um, you know, for a, for a, a, a preteen kid – you know, this is probably better than like Allegiant or whatever those movies are, oh, right? Sure. I mean, it's oh, like sure. it's better than that. So, like, if my eleven-year-old was like into this for a few weeks, um, I wouldn't be uh, the most bummed. <laughs> and so, uh, another rave review from <laughs> from Richard Barton. But uh, <laughs> if my eleven-year-old was into it, I wouldn't be the most bummed. Richard Barton. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's going. Well, put that on the poster. <laughs> put on the DVD ca- case. Um, but yeah, so that that's my take on it. It's not if you told me they're making a Power Rangers movie in 2017, you know, like you know what it reminded me of, honest seriously, and I, I mean this uh with the m- most the utmost amount of respect and derision I can I can say that with. It reminded me it, it reminded me of a better version of Fantastic 4. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very similar look and feel, yeah. a low saturation, uh gritty style that uh the the chronicle style 
Uh, I wonder what Max Landis's influence had to do with this because he wrote the original screenplay, and uh, apparently they tore it apart so much that he didn't even get a story by credit on uh, on Power Rangers. So I'm not sure if his version would have been better or if it would have been too violent or what. I'll maybe go have to go back and read that, but um, definitely seems to have his influence in the look and feel of uh, what his past movies have been but um man the movie starts out with a joke about like milking a male cow and like yeah. a really like inappropriate joke or like <laughs> right from the start it's like oh this is really where this is gonna go in this preteen movie but that happens um they kind of started out like the breakfast club or they're trying to start it out like yeah. that you know in the detention and everybody's meeting each other and um Jason's under house arrest for some reason that I still don't know why that was a significant point in the movie. Why, um, I guess it's because he's a rebel or whatever, but, uh, I don't see why the relationship with the dad and the house arrest or all that had to do with, with, uh, with Rita Repulsa. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't see what that plot had any significance on, on the end game here. And then there's this big, moment where Kimberly cuts her hair for some reason. I guess she's trying to reinvent herself or something, but it's supposed to be made like this total transformation of character that we don't know because we don't know Kimberly, you know? So it's not nearly as like if it had been maybe at the end of the movie or something or after we know her more, it would have been more effective, but it seemed like something that the screenplay uh, uh John Gatness who John Gattens who wrote the screenplay is just like, "You know what? It's a re- I just got this vision in my mind of this girl in high school and standing in front of a mirror and getting bullied by her friends who are for some reason in this bathroom stall together i don't understand why they just hang it hanging out waiting for her in the bathroom stall and busting out and then she cuts her hair like it seems like this iconic scene you would see in your head (laughs) and you tried to force it into this movie and it didn't work in any sense so much of that early stuff with the development of the teenage characters it seems like it has been passed through the prism of like a 55 year old white guy who never attended high school, you know, like it's just, it it's, it's out of to, or learned everything that he knows about teenagers from watching John Hughes movies. You know, it, it doesn't early in the movie. It kind of, you, you feel like it's trying to tell you that this is, that this power Rangers is more in touch with reality and what, what teens are going through right now. And then it gives you these characters that, I don't know. Maybe at their maybe at their absolute best. Maybe on paper they they felt like homage to Hughes, but really it just is like the worst worst version of what a John Hughes apostle would have put on the page. Yeah, with the the intention was was fine with the like you mentioned earlier with the 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 kid on the autism spectrum and the girl kind of like questioning her sexuality. Uh, like these are these are issues that 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 high schoolers deal with, and it's it's cool to see that represented in in a movie like this. But the execution is terrible, <laughs> yeah. And it's so, um, yeah. Kind of, I wouldn't say quite to the insulting level, but it's it's on that tightrope. Which if it's even close, is is it's forced. <laughs> it's it's too far. Forced. Yeah, it's super forced. And so I I applaud them for um, for the attempt, I suppose. But I there should have been a little more tact. In the way, you know, the convenience of those storylines is a little uh, troubling 
in, in some ways. Yeah, when I was watching the movie, it felt like they had made a conservative effort from the beginning that they said, we are going to develop these characters and we're going to make you care about them. Hence why I guess they didn't want to put them in the Power Ranger suits or have the Zords until the last 20 or 30 minutes. I was hated kind of what it felt that. Like. I hated right. the the wait to reveal the Power Rangers. The first Mighty Morphin, I remember vividly, the opening scene is them like kite surfing down out of a plane or whatever as the Power Rangers. And it's like you're right in the action and they're just kicking putties every left and right, you know, and it's like, whoa, Power Rangers are on the big screen. You know, like I don't need this origin story. I guess when you have a six movie arc, you have to have this movie, you know, in the in the six. <laughs> yes, but exactly. I was like, yes. I'm, I came to see a Power Rangers movie and it's been an hour and 10 minutes and I haven't seen Power Rangers yet, you know? But I think they were trying to do that because they didn't want to be, like we mentioned Transformers before, they didn't want it to be all Zord action for the last hour. And yeah. you saying, well, all that was is Transformers, a more low budget form of that. And it's yeah. not as cool action because we didn't want to watch the Zords fight Goldar for an hour. It wasn't that interesting what it was going on. It would look more awkward than anything else. I think I'm pretty much over that in movies at this point of yeah. the large things fighting each other. It just doesn't look good in terms of like what I'm looking for. And it took away. It even felt like the 20 minutes in the Zords was too much for me at that point where I said, okay, I kind of get it. But not for an hour and 40 minutes of yeah. developing these teenage characters when you're going to do it yeah. so heavy handedly, but still not develop them well. Because there's a difference there. If they just chose not to develop them and embrace the action part of it, I can understand. Or if they could develop them well over the hour and 40 minutes, but there was a misconnection there, I felt like. Yeah, I, I'm i not against the saving the Zords, but at least have them in the suits earlier. At least have them coming in and out of the suits, you know? Uh, you know yeah. maybe, Mini battle. Maybe, I think your point's really good, though, Kyle. That, that's a great point. That's a great point. But I could see maybe a scene where... You know, uh, say they, you know, they all discover their that they are the Power Rangers, right? And they all discover that okay, here's how we get the suits, right? We stand on these little things, we do the have our power coin or whatever, and we we get the suit. I could have seen a scene where like Zach goes and like gets the suit and, and goes rogue and like goes and causes a bunch of mischief, and then like uh, the other Power Rangers are all mad because he went out by himself and was a Power Ranger and did all this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think they're they're could have been ways to use the suits throughout the movie and build character yeah. that would have worked. And instead right. of, Oh, we have to have this big moment where they all become the power Rangers simultaneously. And then they're in the Zords and the movie's over pretty much, you know, right. like that's, that's, yeah. that's the choice they made. And, and it didn't work for me. I think they could have spread it, spread the wealth a little bit more and maybe teased it even a little bit more. Like maybe, yeah. maybe they right. got the helmets on and like one of them, the helmets malfunctioned and he was, you know, looking through everybody's clothes or something like, you know what I mean? Like some gags here and there with the suits or something. Uh, I'm just brainstorming right. here, but even that sounds better than what I saw. You know, uh, yeah, I think you kind of, one of y'all mentioned it. This is the problem that you have when you build out in your mind, when you build out a six movie <laughs> franchise without really knowing if the first one's going to catch on or if, anyone who's watching the movie or the majority of the people that are watching the movie have any kind of like real background with this franchise or with this universe or whatever, because when you're plotting six movies, it's like, Oh, we can totally spend an hour and 45 minutes on developing some characters that, and the grand scheme of things, most people really aren't going to care about. They don't really, I'm sure like hardcore power ranger fans may care about, uh, Tommy and Jason and Billy and the rest, but, 
but most of your audience, they just want to see the people get in the suit. But when you're when you're plotting out a I don't know a twelve or thirteen hour storyline, uh, you can say, oh, we can spend an hour and a half on that. That's totally fine. And and then it gets to the movie, and we all sit around and say, oh my gosh, please just put on the suits. At some point, put on the suits. We just want to see the action at this point. We've we've come far enough. Yeah. Are we in spoilers? Just for reference. Sure. Yeah, if yeah, this can be spoiled, it. if it can possibly be spoiled, hey, they turn in the Power Rangers and they all fight at the end. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Well, going back to this, the silly trope of having Billy die for ten minutes to make them turn into Power Rangers by ter- coming together was seen a mile away. Nobody thought Billy was dead. It's that yeah. typical thing you see in movies, and I understand what they were trying to get at of them trying to all be selfless and then they can become Power Rangers, but. It's, it just wasn't well done. There were parts of it that I did. I could understand where they were going with it, but mm. I wanted to ask you guys, because I couldn't even really understand what was going on, is the Pink Ranger storyline of what her big secret was? She, she, I think <laughs> she, she shamed somebody. Yeah. So, so she's a bad that's person. Her big, that's her thing. She, got a, she yeah. held on to that. She couldn't tell anybody that she that she'd apparently passed around someone's nude picture. I mean, that was it was a once we got to that point like you kind of expected I murdered three children before I moved to this town, you know, or right. something like that. No, it's just that I'm the meanest person that I know. That was ooh, that was yeah. rough. That's no, the I, I mentioned like that's the 20 minutes Kyle where you said both the two things where I was like, "Are you serious? Is the is that that is the what brings them together ultimately?" And then uh Boy, Billy drowned in about eight seconds. <laughs> like, that is the quickest drowning in the history of the world. I, and 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 he supposedly has some sort of super. I mean, I know they're they're just gestating their brand new superpowers, but he's he's some sort of superhuman. He literally was in the water for twelve seconds, and he's dead. He's dead. I, I just, I I was borderline just like I'm out at that point. If if I was if I was locked in, maybe I could have carried through without you know, super rolling my eyes and, and wanting to leave. But that was, boy, that was almost a bridge too far for me. Yeah. Um, Cause one of the things I, I thought was weird is I think this movie had a rating problem cause it was PG 13, right? Yeah. Is they were appealing to younger audiences. I felt like with the power Rangers and I saw plenty of young kids there. So I felt like, especially with that pink Ranger storyline where they had the problem was they were trying to explain this concept of what she was doing without putting it out there. And I can't imagine how any young child could have followed what they were trying to get at because I had an issue of what are they trying to say without really saying it was what they were kind of getting at is what I felt like. But it was – yeah, that 20-minute stretch you're talking about is pretty rough in any movie you're going to see this year. Just a couple of observations. Um, I didn't understand the significance of the rock quarry. Like do do teens just hang out at rock quarries nowadays? You know, like they're all <laughs> all five two, of them at the same time. Yeah, two of them are there, and then one of them shows up, and they're all hanging out, and then the fourth one shows up, and then they're like, "Uh, where's Trini? Oh, there she is. She's up at the top of yeah. the quarry. Why are they at a freaking rock quarry construction site? <laughs> no, there, were there not malls or movies or places to go or putt putt or something like what what is the deal with the rock <laughs> where's the there's local no mountasia ex- there's no explanation like one minute they're in detention they meet and then it cuts to them at a rock quarry like there's no yeah. <laughs> only excuses for them to find the coins yeah. there or something that made no you know, sense at all it's it's kind of a problem for me too and i'm not 
I hope when people listen to the show, I, I'm typically not the nitpicky type of reviewer. Like I kind of I will sprinkle magic movie dust into just about any movie and move on. But it's a real problem to me that only three that they make such a big deal out of detention for these these fine young upstanding young people and only three of the five are actually in detention and they they kind of call it out as the movie goes like oh you would you two wouldn't get that because it's an inside joke that we got from detention you're like why didn't you just have them all be in detention why would that have been (laughs) such a such a bridge too far i i it was i know that comes across as nitpicky and i apologize but it's just it's little things like that where you're like why didn't somebody clean that up why didn't somebody take the foundation of this script that's not so bad and just say, hey, what if we made them all be in uh, in detention in the same time instead of having Trini just climbing on a mountain for no reason? That, oh, okay, yeah. well, we could try that. You know, it's just these little things that that take your movie from being... Um, that, that take your take away from it, just all you have to do is make it a passable B-minus kind of movie. And we all walk away saying, oh, that was better than I expected and there really isn't too much to complain about. And instead you have these little blips and you're just like, why? Why did you do that? Why couldn't you have figured out that this would have been a better way to do it? I have one minor nitpick and this was just me as a sports fan and knowing how this goes on. So there was the scene where Jason goes to the school for the first time after his accident. You guys remember that scene? Mm-hmm. Kind of. Yeah. And he looks in the trophy case and his jersey is already retired for some right. reason. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, but he failed. Didn't, <laughs> weren't they making fun of him that he was like that he lost the championship or something or that he was like the worst quarterbacks? Didn't somebody say that? I think uh, it was that he couldn't play in the he championship. He couldn't play. He got hurt injury. or something. Yeah. yeah. But his jersey is retired in the trophy case. That he's <laughs> I didn't notice by. that. I did not I, notice. I didn't. I, did, I saw it in the trophy case. I didn't. I didn't like put two and two together though. That that is funny. So he's this hero, but everybody hates him. That makes that. that and then he had that scene walking around town, going to Billy's house, where it was the OMG Jason Scott. Everybody yeah, was right. saying was right. uh, again. It was there were some of those scenes that you yeah. can't really look past when you're trying to look at the movie as a whole. So. This is a very nitpicky thing too, and I feel like I've had this complaint in these types of movies before but i hate the color coordination of the oh you're trini so you've got to have yellow on oh yeah billy yeah. well you you've got to have you know uh blue folders and books and everything you have is blue jason right. every shirt you wear in this movie is gonna be red you know uh he has a red bathroom uh you know kimberly's whole uh room is pink you know um I really do we need do we need that you know can it just be like they discover the things and that's how they get their colors does it have to be like before that even that they wear the colors consistently all the time you know right it has to be that heavy handed with it I mean yeah that was that was the joke in the series too was that these five teenagers are all hanging out together for 150 episodes, all wearing the same colors as the Power Rangers, and nobody figured this out the entire time that these <laughs> might be Power Rangers. Well, it would at make, any point, it would make sense if you like if you became the Red Ranger, and then all of a sudden red is your favorite color, and you like to wear red from then on. That would make sense to me. Not that you wore red before, you happen on a red power coin, and then you're the Red Ranger. You know, does that make sense? Like you would think it would yeah, be vice versa. Look, like I, you would happen on the power coin, and right. then that would inspire your love for the color red. Like yeah, it's, it's you, a complete you know, opposite. I think we're kind of dancing around the main issue with the whole thing. And uh, and Kyle, you you kind of touched on it a little bit. Is is 
the lack of identity is what really I think is what really sinks this thing because at the end of the day this movie and this universe is based on a TV show that even I think this show started in the States in 1993. So I was 10 years old. And at 10 years old, I was like, this is really cheesy and stupid. And I know some people really dig that and they appreciate that kind of, of, uh, of, of storytelling and the campiness of it and all that. But you have to acknowledge that that is the case. Like it is super cheesy and campy and, and absurd. And to me, there's there's one of two ways you can handle that. You can lean into that and you can kind of go with the cheesy and really play to it. Or you can go the exact opposite and try to make it darker and grittier and more uh, realistic or more grounded in reality if realistic is maybe not the right word. But you can try one of those two things. And, and instead, what this movie has done is it's kind of just tried to ride the fence between that while adding in a comic book element. And so there's never a time I would guess that if you, if you charted it, you would see that there's, there's probably never a time where there's more than 20 minutes of one direction. As far as the tone goes, like we'll spend a little bit of time and it's a little bit darker and grittier and we're going for we're, we're cutting it close to that PG 13 line. And then we're going to ease back into some of the cheesiness. And now we're going to come up and down. It's all over the place on that side. And then you throw in these kind of comic book elements. And it, at that point, you're like, well, that doesn't really fit. That doesn't tonally. This doesn't this doesn't make sense. You have I think the actors are trying to do a more serious grounded take on these these characters, if not dark and gritty. And then and then you've got Elizabeth Banks, who I love doing I don't even know what to call that because that was she. She might be the worst part of the movie. She's yeah, terrible, she's and yeah. and I lo- I love her. And and you and then you've got uh, then there's a scene where they actually play the Power Rangers theme, and it looks exact. And it's it's like, but that I was fine. I was expecting that coming in, but now that I've spent an hour and forty minutes in a completely different universe, now this doesn't make any sense. This doesn't fit anymore. And I I think that's the biggest issue. Is it's it's back and forth for two freaking hours it is a different movie every 15 minutes and that that's i don't care if it's a power rangers movie a marvel movie a dc movie or a star wars movie you can't do that you cannot change the tone constantly like that without us almost subconsciously being turned off by what's happening on screen it looked like they just refurbished the set from the 90s version of lost in space for this movie right yeah it just looks the the actual ship I guess their headquarters or what did they call it in the series? I know this headquarters like had a name in the series. I, I, know, I, I, can, no clue, I can see sorry. the building in my mind's eye where they, it wasn't like in a rock or cave or anything. Like, it was an actual building in the TV show. Uh, for some reason I like that better, but I kind of liked Zordon, how they had the kind of, uh, you know, the different blocks or whatever that made up the face. I thought, I thought that was a cool way to go about Zordon rather than just a face projected there, you know, like it was in the original show so i like that creative choice um when trini starts to like spill her uh powers to her family and her mom says pee in the cup i was like we're really gonna get a piss jar in this movie uh (laughs) one thing i was hoping that i would my superhero movies would be without was is more jars of pee that almost happened in here Uh, another pet peeve guys and transformers is very guilty of this uh, the outer shirt. Anyone know what I'm saying? You're in an end of the world scenario. 
you've got a t-shirt on and you've got this flannel that's unbuttoned that you're running around and you you keep it on and it gets super dirty and for some reason you never ditch the outer shirt you know what i mean they're every character i get it man i wouldn't ditch my bard again for (laughs) somewhere somebody needs to put together a a special kit garrison movie where it's just File folder scenes of people running around with outer shirts. The outer shirts just on. dies. Yeah, yeah. I cannot stand that. I mean, put him in a freaking t-shirt. God, why does he have to have some accessories? You know, like it's it's just so obvious that it's some set. You know, some costume designer's like, oh, this will look cool. It's stylish if you have your flannel on it. Um, but, oh, you can have a sweater. You can have a sweatshirt. It could be tied around your waist. Well, yeah, it's the end of the world, and I'm fighting putties. I don't need this thing tied around my. And it stays on the whole time. Oh, I hate that. Hate that crap. Um, I, I thought it was stupid how the only way to defeat the putties was the German suplex. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> that was the only way to defeat them was to do the suplex. The Brock Lesnar suplex is the only way what? to defeat the putties. Um, but that was funny, and I got a kick out of that. Uh, I guess Rita was creepy when it was like a mummy, but once she came to life, it was it was very Terrible. weird. And terrible. Yeah. She looked like Enchantress from Suicide yes. Squad to me yeah. at that point. And it so that like, was a little off-putting. It was Enchantress yeah. no mixed, dance, mixed with no. Uma Thurman's Poison Ivy, which is not a good combo <laughs> that we want. It's all I've ever wanted in a supervillain. Yeah. Uh, did they just throw Billy off a cliff? Like, is he dead? <laughs> Does he die? And they're just like, they just chunk him off a cliff. Like, well, he's dead. And they just throw him down there. You know what I mean? <laughs> Did that happen? Right. Well, they know he can come back to life. So I guess that's what they can <laughs> do. It's like, that is no concern at all for your fellow Power Ranger. Uh, guys, I don't know if you noticed, but I couldn't tell what. what was this movie sponsored by Krispy Kreme? I could not. <laughs> I, I, there was no. I could know direct. Yeah, it was either Dunkin' or Krispy Kreme. I think it was Krispy Kreme, though, if I remember. There was only two or three scenes set in a Krispy Kreme, and only the main plot and, uh, you know, big climactic scene of the movie takes place at and around a Krispy Kreme, but I could be wrong there. And what what a, like, early 2000s company to, to, like, throw at the middle of this. Krispy Kreme, like... (laughs) just it's just like so weird and random and like desk like that's the most desperate product placement i've seen in a long time was the gotta say that might have been elizabeth banks's best scene though when she's eating the donut and the crisp and cream while the world's (laughs) being destroyed yeah it was one of many uh the zords themselves i already said looked so dumb uh they didn't even look like dinosaurs or they just look like pieces of metal. They look like Transformers, you know. I mean, just I don't know. You know what? This movie, it really could. This, this could have worked, you know. That's what. Yes. This movie should have taken inspiration from something like Star Trek Beyond, right? You know, have a total fun, bright world that they live in. Uh, you know. The suits can be like tactical flight suits like they had in Star Trek, you know, and, and have like a kind of timeless, cool quality to them. Uh, this movie should have been X-Men First Class, right? It should have been a reboot and a reimagination of Power Rangers with some flair yeah. and style. But it, it it was Fantastic Four. You're right. You're absolutely right. And uh, and that's disappointing. It's, it's very disappointing. Um, mm-hmm. Jason saves his dad in the movie. So I guess that that was the point of the house arrest. The struggle at home was so that they could have that moment. 
and then uh, what what do we think of Goldar? By the way, I remember Goldar being like an actual villain, not just like a you know like a droopy a yeah droopy thing of liquid metal. So that's an, one way to go about this, I guess. Um, I did th- find it creepy how Rita was taking gold from everything and was like pulling it out of people's crowns of their teeth. I thought that was kind of a that might have worked in any other scenario, any other movie except for this, but I thought it was pretty menacing to uh, take the gold from people. Uh, mm-hmm. The Megazord looks like a robot. I mean, we don't ever see the transformation. Like, all the uh, Zords going down in a hole and they come out as the Megazord. Like, there's not that cool, yeah. like, morphing scene that we get in the TV show, you know, of the, like, the transformation and everything and them coming together. And, you know, I don't even think they... S- say it's morphin time in the movie do that maybe once in the movie they say that but it's you don't maybe ever once. You, yeah you don't ever see the, the the transforming or like the stuff that made the tv series cool you know you never really get to see they do have that one moment brian you mentioned it where the zords are like parallel to each other and the go go power rangers theme is playing there's like the last like four seconds maybe and then you're mm-hmm. back in the movie like you know that yeah. kicks in you're like oh and now this is power rangers yeah you know, maybe this is something's cool. No, it's back to normal. You know, like it lasts mm-hmm. for maybe four seconds as a little tease. So that's disappointing. But I mean, guys, like this was just as mediocre as mediocre gets, in my opinion. And and I really think it, it could have helped massively for better production design on uh, on the Zords and on the Power Rangers themselves. Maybe a little bit brighter of a movie would have worked better and uh, a better script. And that's really it i mean you could have taken this from a from a c to a b minus very easily mm-hmm. i feel like uh and that 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 didn't happen so let's hit grades uh i'm gonna give this a c brian what are you giving it yeah i'm going d i, I I'm, I'm it's funny to me that we we have kind of the same opinion but have picked on the exact opposite stuff i i think if you take this script clean up the dialogue a little bit and get me some better actors and just just find a tone. I think this can be, I think this is a B minus movie. I didn't hate, I didn't hate the suit and I actually thought the, the Zords were fine on the production design standpoint. The, you know, they weren't uh, shot particularly well. And the, you know, the, I could have done it. I would have liked a different color, but that's, that's totally nitpicking. I, I think this could be a this could definitely have been a much more a much better movie than I was expecting going in and I for a while I was in for like a C or a C plus and then the last the last act up until they actually get in the suits I I was out I was just so out on everything that was uh that was taking place uh so I I'm going to go I'm going to go a D and I would I would expect this ends up in my bottom 10 of the year uh Richard how about you yeah, I'm gonna go. Uh, I don't know if I've ever given this before. I'm gonna go with a D plus. <laughs> Strong it's D fair. plus. Strong. It. Kyle, this was you. You chose this movie to come make your. Is this your podcast debut? Or have you been? Are you a trader that's been on other podcasts? <laughs> no, this is my podcast debut. Okay, you oh. chose this film to make your podcast debut. I and did. So this, though, and, and kudos to you. You've done a great job, and please stick around for for weekly recommends here in a minute. But. But I, we've got to know and, and, and explain yourself as best you can. What is your review and grade of Power Rangers? 
Um, so I think it is a little unfair. I know we picked on all of the bad things. There were things I liked, but they were mainly things that you expect to be adequate in movies um, kind of thing on there. So that's really why there, we haven't touched on the good things on there, I think, is mm-hmm. that the yeah. bad things are more glaring on there. There were parts of it I enjoyed, and I enjoyed the TV series as a kid because mainly I watched it when I was five or six, and you don't really care about the dialogue or what's going <laughs> on. You just like the action uh, at that point. So I'm going to give it a C minus, I think is the right range for it, where it kind of bordered on me maybe liking the movie at some points, but at the end of the day, it just didn't get there. But I think it was a good try, and I might see another one if they throw another one out there. So we'll see. I can't believe I gave this the highest grade. I never thought that would happen. I I didn't like this movie, by the way. it It was like the lowest passing grade you could get you know you know what i mean like it barely barely reached the 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 bare minimum but uh you know kudos to them mission accomplished okay let's move on then and uh let's hit a recommend weekly recommend go ahead richard yeah i'm gonna do i gotta tell a story real quick so uh, you guys know the story so i was in new york last week and uh went, went down to greenwich village uh, to grab some dinner and uh, just, I, kind of last minute I said you know what I'm going to go into the comedy cellar which is a little comedy club right there and, and see some comics which I've done once before um, great little comedy club in, in Greenwich Village and it's known that sometimes famous comedians will drop in so I'm there and I, I get my, my little my little table and I get a drink and I'm sitting there and first couple guys go up and they were they were very funny one, one especially uh Greer, I forgot his name, Greer something, he was funny. Not David Allen Greer, unfortunately. Oh, man, so close. But uh, anyway, and then they're like, the host gets up and he's like, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this guy doesn't need any introduction, I'm not even going to bother. Ladies and gentlemen, Louis C.K. And Louis C.K. comes in, there's like 75 of us in there, and Louis does like 20 minutes. He's working on his SNL monologue, apparently, so he's kind of uh, working out the beats on that. And it was really funny and good. So I said, I, that's not just a humble brag. I say all that to say I'm going to recommend Louis C.K.'s new Netflix special. Uh, I believe it's called 2017. Louis C.K. Louis C.K. 2017. Um, it's, it's now I'm in the mood because I saw him the other night. Watched uh, the the new special this morning, and uh, you know it's one of the better, uh, one of the best comedians going. It's been a good stand-up year thus far, and uh, I highly recommend it. Wow did uh, did you get to talk to him afterward? No, he was uh, it was in and out. Yeah, I mean, gone. I think those guys do spots all over the city, so he's probably heading to like Carolines or one of the other clubs. You know, I think they just drop in and do twenty, and then get in a car and, and go to the next spot. So, so no, he didn't linger cool. or anything. He did. He did kind of look at me, and it, you could tell it was like really enjoyed. <laughs> he's, a, he's a listener. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. I really enjoyed Richard through the Looking Glass, and it was just kind of that <laughs> unspoken kind of thing. That's so funny. I, you know, I toasted him. We Richard and I. Uh... We saw him together a couple yeah, years the ago. Second time, I- it was actually. It's funny, Richard, the timing because when you and I saw him in Dallas, uh, that was the show before he went and did SNL in New York. Uh, I think he hosted for the first time he had hosted, and uh, he did a lot of the same jokes that he did for us then on SNL that weekend. So that was cool to uh, see some of the jokes that he worked out on us on SNL. So maybe this the same situation will happen again. Very. Very, uh, you know, small world, and you know, it's funny how things come around again. And who would have thought that that would have happened? But cool story, and man, he's so talented. I'm excited for his Netflix special and and all that. Very cool. Good recommend. But, uh, 
Brian, what's your recommend? So I've been on a. I'm going to recommend another podcast. This has been my my kick lately. I found my. Stop doing it. I know. know. I'm just trying to spread the love. Just trying to spread the love. Only listen to us because they think we're the only (laughs) one. The only one. Yeah. Our numbers just see a huge decrease. The more. The more random uh, podcasts that I recommend. No, I I kind of hit a, a lull on my podcasting, where I just I wasn't really enjoying some of the shows that I was listening to and uh, hadn't really added anything new in a while. And so I started uh, doing some digging and asking recommendations and such, and uh, have found several several that are not new but are new to me and that I've really been enjoying. And I stumbled across. So Steve, last year I recommended a book by Stephen Hayden called uh, "Your Favorite Band Is Killing Me." I think Richard, you read that too, didn't you? We we both yeah, enjoyed. I was gonna yeah, I loved it, and I was gonna recommend this podcast to you because he's on the Pearl Jam thing right now, and yeah, I keep forgetting. Yeah, so I'm so it. glad you found it by yourself because I love that podcast, and I was like, fantastic. I got to tell Brian about this. Okay, cool. yeah. So it's Stephen Hayden. Uh, the podcast is called Celebration Rock. Uh, he just he goes through a uh, he does a lot of different stuff. He's he's a great music mind. If you're into or have ever been into rock music as a whole, uh, he he really he gets it. He knows what he's talking about. He's got a great history with with the genre. Uh, but currently, he's in a series uh, called Vitology Vitologyology, where he's going through Pearl Jam's career. It's a seven part series. So the first five were on specific albums. So he did a whole a whole podcast on ten, and then another one on verses, and on down the list, and. The one that was released today, I haven't had a chance to listen human to. Human Clay, yeah, is on Human Clay, uh, which is one of Pearl Jam's lesser-known albums. But no, uh, he this one's on Riot Act and Binaural, and it's it's kind of a double. And then the last part, I think, is going to be uh, like all of their albums of the last decade and such. It's great. Um, I'm a huge Pearl Jam fan, Kent. I know you are too. We went and saw Pearl Jam together a few years ago. I know that Pearl Jam is not the most popular band, especially probably with our listeners. And that's, you know, that's fine. I don't care about being cool or anything. They are a very interesting band and they come, they have the, the fact that they've been doing it for 25 plus years, having come out of a scene that has been dead and gone now, like the genre has changed so significantly and aggressively that they are really kind of the last holdouts from that era and have progressed in so many different ways uh, i think my point is i think if even if you don't care about pearl jam whatsoever it's really interesting listening he gets different guests for every album that they go through every episode um and talks a lot about the history the making of the music what it stands stood for then what it stands for now things like that and i think to me the most interesting part and richard you you maybe can speak to this too if, if you care to but because i know you're not a huge pearl jam fan I think that's the most interesting part of the whole series is that Haydn himself, at least in the heyday of Pearl Jam, was not a Pearl Jam fan mm-hmm. and actually was you know hated them. Kind of thought they were posers and and took the Nirvana side of everything, which I was kind of in that camp too for a while. And so it's interesting to hear him now uh, go back and talk about Ten with uh, with new eyes you know and, and look at it from a different perspective with history to to help guide and whatnot so it, I've, I've enjoyed it a lot they're each about an hour long and it's it's great listening he's a very good i think he's a very yeah. good podcaster and interviewer and very talented guy and so again even if you're not a pearl jam fan i would totally recommend it uh the podcast itself is called celebration rock and the series that he's in now is vitologyology I should say I uh, I don't like Pearl Jam, but I don't hate them. I just I want to like them really badly, and it just doesn't mesh with my ears. And I I always think of them the same way I think about beans. 
like uh, brown beans. I li- I want to like them because I hate. I don't like any. I like to like everything food wise. I would never want to be a picky eater, but I just don't like the texture of beans. So, but I try them like every three months, hoping <laughs> that they'll latch on, and then that's how I am with Pearl Jam. Like I can't get there yet, but one of these days I'm gonna I'm gonna eat some Bush's beans and listen to Ten, and it's gonna be a, a mortifying but great day for everyone. But uh, yeah. Kent, what's your weekly recommend? Well, I just to comment on Brian's. Um, I liked Pearl Jam growing up. I liked some of their songs, but I didn't become a fan until my later years. So I started to really listen to their albums. You know, yeah. I think they write great Same. albums rather than good, great singles. And I saw the Cameron Crowe documentary Pearl Jam Twenty, and it's yes. really good, fantastic. And that'll yeah. make anyone a fan who's not already, or at least respect their journey and yes. everything. So yeah, that's a recommend. Yeah. But uh, Celebration Rock also a great album by the Japan Droids. That's worth checking out. <laughs> sure. And that's no yeah, that's lie. That's what it's that named a, after. That is a. No, that's what it's named after. Is it really? Yeah, he's a big Japan droid. Fan. It's a. That's yeah, a good like indie punk rock record that you should check out if you like rock music. Celebration Rock is good. Um, but speaking of rock and roll, my recommend is very similar to this. Uh, it's a documentary on Netflix, and I remember seeing this in high school and being kind of blown away, and never really had seen a, a documentary like this. Um, it's Metallica, some kind of monster, yeah. And yes. it's about Metallica, sort of in transition. You know, after Jason Newstead, the bass player, left the band, and before Robert Trujillo, their current bass player, was in the band, they were going through a lot of turmoil. Uh, they didn't know if they were even going to be a band anymore. They were working on an album, um, Saint Anger, I think, was the album they were working on. And uh, it's just kind of an observational documentary. There's no narrator. There's no interviews, really. It's just kind of the the fly on the wall of them at the studio and them in this weird time in the band. And it's about two and a half hours long, but it's mm-hmm. a very informative way of how bands operate. I mean, they had to bring in, you know, a therapist and everything to so that they would talk to each other and work through things as a band and a business. And people don't realize that you know rock bands are they're corporations you know they have headquarters and they have employees and they have merchandising and branding and marketing and social and social media and all this there's so much that goes into making a band work you know and uh, it's a really really cool behind the scenes look at that um it has hit netflix now i'm I'm really excited that it has i went back and watched it and it's worth your time they do a follow-up um you know i think they did a some kind of monster 10 years later or something like that kind of follow up like a 20 minute just reflecting on what how that you know affected the band and everything and uh it's mm-hmm. worth checking out i'm not a huge metallica fan at all i can Same. I barely yeah. listen to them but it, it's it's a good documentary about rock music and, and about the music industry so metallica some kind of monster it's my recommend uh Hi, kyle pressure's on brother i'm feeling it so I'm also going to recommend something on Netflix. It's a movie that came out last year called Blue Jay. I don't know if any of you saw it. No. Haven't seen it. It's been on my uh, on my queue and on my old list on my spreadsheet, but uh, I've not had <laughs> yeah. a chance to see it yet. Yeah, it's a uh, very simple movie. It's about an hour and a half with Sarah Paulson and Mark Duplass. It's a, he wrote the movie as well. It's a Duplass Brothers production. So if you're into Duplass Brothers things um, – it's more on the skeleton twins, your sister, sister kind of thing, more than the safety not guaranteed supernatural kind of side of what they do, sure. uh, what they're doing there. So it's more of a simple story, but it's a human drama. Uh, don't want to give anything away with such a short movie. It's pretty quick and to the point. Um, 
found it pretty affecting and ended up being one of my top five movies of the year last year, surprisingly. Wow. So I would recommend uh, Blue Jay on Netflix. Awesome. awesome. Good stuff. Good stuff all around, gentlemen. Good, good conversation tonight. A lot of exciting things happening and movie news, rumors, rumblings, and of course, Power Rangers. Uh, maybe we will not have to revisit that anymore. <laughs> Who knows? Five more times. Yeah. Time. Kyle, thanks for coming on. You're welcome back anytime. Where can Great we job. find you online, Kyle? Um, on Twitter, at Kyle McNevin, M-C-N, E-V-I-N. Better spell my last name correct. <laughs> yeah. Follow him there. Brian, where can we find you? You can find me on the Twitter at BGill12. You can find my writing at badaboutmoviespodcast.com and the Mad About Movies podcast newsletter, which will be out next week. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on all social media at Richard Barden. Kent, where can I find you? I've been looking for you for Same years. Same on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and .com <laughs> at uh, Kent Garrison. And find us online, madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Contact us on there. Find uh, all the ways to subscribe to the show on there. Donate on there as well hit subscribe on itunes leave us five stars if you like what you hear tell a friend that helps grow the show and uh, grows the mam fam which is what we're all about uh, mm. but until next week i think we might be talking ghost in the shell since yeah, no, literally so. nothing is coming out this weekend <laughs> um, going in style bro oh, smurfs sorry. lost village sorry oh. you'll be seeing smurfs with your son no but, uh, i have almost made it all the way through this movie coming out without my son ever knowing that it exists this is my this is my only goal in life at this point great check your mailbox <laughs> um and this thursday we will be throwing back to full metal jacket yeah Ooh. so look forward to that more Kubrick talk on the show. And uh, until then, until next time, we'll see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. The salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again.